believe I'm about to say this, but welcome to the fifth season of Inspire and Innovate, a podcast for educators. We spent our first season in the height of COVID interviewing thought leaders across the country and debriefing with faculty about those ideas about education after the fact. Our second mini season centered around storytelling of educators across the Jackson Metro area. Our third was entitled Parent-Teacher Conference and featured conversation between parents, faculty, and students around a host of hot topics. And last spring, we were proud to document real conversations between faculty and administrators in Bridging the Faculty Admin Divide. Well, here we are again, and in this first episode of season five, we introduce our hosts and our theme for fall 2022. Drum roll, please accountability. So as a teacher, there are innumerable places to spend your limited attention and effort. Why then did I pick accountability? Uh, ever since I began teaching, I've always found it helpful to have some key lens through which to view the year and help organize my approach. One year was courage, another curiosity. At our back to school meeting, our head, Kevin, announced that this year we were moving to focus on accountability after spending last year cultivating community. I seized on this idea for our season because I wanted to align what we talk about on the podcast with the larger goals of the institution. I'm especially interested in all the interlocking ways accountability interacts in the school context because our work is so vitally important to all stakeholders. I confess I was largely ignorant about the freight of the word accountability, especially in regards to teaching, due in no small part to the fact that I've been very lucky with the people that I've worked and learned with. And accountability has rarely felt like a decree, but more of an invitation. I was eager to speak with folks who viewed the word differently and curious to hear what had happened to make connotations of accountability go down the same road as rigor and discipline. To help us unpack the dreaded word accountability and why we want to collectively reclaim the word as an act of radical love and community, and to meet our super awesome podcasters this 22-23 school year, we dedicate this first episode to the question of why accountability matters and when and why did it become a dirty word. In the room with us today, we have Kim Sewell, Michelle Portera, Buck Cooper, and Rachel Scott, along with my co-host Toby Lowe, a regular on this podcast. I'm Kim Sewell. I have taught at St. Andrews for six years, two years kindergarten, four years in pre-K-4. I'm in pre-K-4 right now. And I'm from Jackson. I have three children. I'm Rachel Scott. I'm the Tech Coordinator and Integration Specialist at St. Andrews Lower School. Um, this is my second year at St. Andrews, but I have a background in public, independent, and private schools. I'm Michelle Portera, and I teach first grade at St. Andrews. This is my second year teaching first grade here, and I taught in public schools for about 20 years, doing kindergarten and also English as a second language. I'm Buck Cooper. Uh, this is my sixth year at St. Andrews in two separate stints. Um, I teach all the flavors of eighth grade math, um, and I'm sort of a journeyman teacher, so I have taught public, private, Catholic, Episcopal, college, non-college, middle school, high school, all of the flavors of teaching. I've worried one way or another about how children learn math and science for about 20 years. We have a powerhouse, Toby. Yeah, we're very lucky to be sitting with some of these fine folks. Uh, and so again, speaking kind of to the selection process for this season, we always try to have some kind of theme for every season. 
And so for this one, I was like, well, accountability, that's already what was said. I'm interested in thinking about it that way. It's going to help focus my own practice. So I sent an email out, and then Julie emailed you all more broadly, and instantly there was feedback on the term accountability. Da, da, da. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And friction is great. It leads to a lot of important things. So I just like to hear, again, when you hear the word or read the word accountability, what tends to be the first thing that pops into your head that might provoke that response of like, ooh, we should change it, or oh, are we sure about this? It's kind of eye roll, honestly, because it feels impossible to um, have accountability as it should be across the board. And from experience, sometimes um, some people are, they have integrity in such a way that accountability um, is just, it's not icky, it, mm. it happens. Some people are secure enough to be, you know, fine with being held accountable for things. Um, There are situations where leaders expect other people to be accountability but don't have accountability Mm -hmm. themselves. Um, There's all different situations. There's um, times when people receive feedback well and don't receive feedback well. It's, It's just so messy. So... That's kind of my my first gut reaction is just like, oh, eye roll. This this seems too big. This seems too hard. Fair. I always cringe when I hear other people say it, especially if you don't know them well, mm. because it makes you wonder, are you saying accountability because you're trying to put off responsibility, mm. like whether it be your own or someone else's, um, or is it about an equal share and everybody working towards a common goal? So that was all, you know, without knowing the person, like you don't always know which angle yeah. they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And that can, can make you cringe. It's interesting. It is like an individualistic word, accountability. Like typically we're not talking about a whole community of accountability. It's more like I'm going to track. And so my mind, I, I went to public schools. I taught in public schools before this. Um, and I, of course, think about the accountability movement, um, which has done much damage. And I'm sure... Like all things, there's been good things as well. Um, But this move to sort of track student progress and tie it to funding and tie it to even some schools, teacher pay and connecting the dots. But it's all about tracking everybody's progress. And I'm saying it like it's so evil and bad, but it came from this sense of we need to make sure kids are learning what we're learning or what we say they're learning. And we need to have, and we know as good teachers, we're constantly doing that. And we are tracking and documenting and making sense. But it's been, as as Toby said earlier, kind of co-opted and it feels, I think you're right. It's, there's something really individualistic that an accusatory sounding about it. It reminds me of No Child Left Behind. Yes. Like the great, Same. great goal of that, and it sounds beautiful, and then it ended up just feeling horrible. <sighs> yes. I was going to ask, yeah, we could, if we could put a tag in there for a footnote. So, for example, I, I have never worked, I, I worked in a charter school for a year, so the accountability movement, when you say that, uh, that was me drawing a blank. Can you, is there anything else you can say about it to kind of like a, a one minute like here's what it was here's when it started my program of study did not require me to take the praxis because the state I was certified in did a different test so during my first year of teaching when no child left behind was happening 
I felt humiliated because I had to mail home a letter to each one of my students' families telling them that their teacher was not highly qualified. What? Oh my God. <gasps> yes, trauma with a capital T. So that was part of it, making sure. Now, the intent was good. We want everybody to be assured that they have teachers who are highly mm -hmm. qualified, but it made me feel less than when they hired me to do a right. job. Why would you hire me and, and then make me send this shameful letter home? But um, it was that, and then it was the school ratings. Mm -hmm. So, of course, everybody wants to be an A, and then and you have to. funding is tied to that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you have to show a certain percentage of improvement each year in your test scores. Um, and there's lots of boxes to check. I don't know the specifics. I just kind of remember that season of teaching. Yeah. And, and I will like say, that. like, the big research finding shocker was that the test scores showed maybe very little except they perfectly reflected the socioeconomic status of the school. So... Um, it was another wonderful example of sort of the cyclical inequities that perpetuate and, you know, uh, sort of schooling and education in the United States. And so um, I, I, think, I think that changes were made right then. No Child Left Behind got replaced with every student succeeds. Race, race to the oh, race to the top, and then every student succeeds. So I need to do some research. I don't really know the dates okay. or the specifics. But I know that it had, man, I'm going back to Kim's, Kim's phrase, was so good. It sounded beautiful, feels terrible, terrible. And you just said humiliating. I wonder more about the feeling. Like, how does it feel? Why does it feel that way? Because I think it's hitting you at the heart of what you care about the most. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say. It changes your view. Like, you go into teaching because you want to grow these, these people that are going to become future members of our community and our society. And, like, you're investing everything you've got into them emotionally, um, academically, you know, all of these different aspects. And it is, it is a, it's a hard work. But with that accountability movement and especially with the state testing and all of those, like the high stakes testing that they have in Mississippi for third grade, um, what happens is I think it changes Makes the, you leave the weight heart. that you're carrying and you have to like, you're almost forced to set aside the reason you're doing mm -hmm. this because of that accountability and what's being put on your shoulders. And what broke my heart um, a few years back and what actually kind of shifted my move out of public school um, was when you see students, and I'd see sixth graders, and you'd have a, a teacher down the hall who would be like, ooh, we want them at our school because it's like they have those invisible numbers like floating <laughs> above their head as they're walking around. And we're like, and you know, like you'll hear somebody say, oh no, they need to go to this school in the district. Or, you know, like it broke my heart, like at the most fundamental level. And I was like, I, that's, it's broken. Like we have done this in our system of accountability, you know, through high stakes testing and all these different things. We broke the whole reason we do this in the first place. And like Julie said, that perpetuates the inequity. If you're a good teacher, you're going to go to this good school, mm -hmm. which just so happens to be in a ritzy neighborhood. And so it defeats the whole purpose of why the system was started in the first place. And it puts you in a no-win. Yeah. Because you're trying to meet the children because you love what you do, but you also want to do what your administration wants you to do. You want to be good, and there's no way to do both. It's like the battle between your head and your heart. Oh. 
I think it also reduces your work to um, a number in a spreadsheet, right? A nine months of work in a math class for an eighth grader in eighth grade math is reduced to a score on a state test that they take on a morning or an afternoon, one morning or afternoon in May. And that's what's supposed to represent your year's work and that's what's supposed to represent their year's learning. And then that judgment is being made by people who may be dropped by your classroom once or twice that year, which is also reducing your work because they're making a judgment about you um, and about your work based on a number and a couple of visits. And so it takes this hard work that you're talking about, this very this work we're committed to, and it shrinks it down to something that then from which judgments are made that sort children, right? So it sounds like we've done a great job of kind of laying out these diluted or corrupted or, or, or evil accountability. So I guess what I'd like to talk about next is, well then, we're trying to square all these things, right? We're, we're, we're doing hard work, I like that. Um, so how do we make sure also that we're serving equity, right? A accountability is supposed to help us make sure we're doing right by our constituencies, for lack of a better word, our people, right? So how do we fight against um, this crazy systemization that's been put into place? Like what, what would a good system look like for y'all? Or what even just, how would you describe the way it should feel or it should look? Because sounds good, feels terrible. Okay, well how do we fix the feels terrible part? Or what does that begin to seem like? And, and, and how might we tie that to a reframing of accountability? So yeah. How do we, we, re we reclaim we, that word? Yeah, we want to reclaim it, obviously, right? The title of this whole theme is accountability. We wouldn't choose it if it was it was what we, we did a good job of describing what we don't want it to be. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think Toby's question points to what, what do we want it to be? What do we want the season to be about when we talk about student accountability and teacher accountability and admin accountability and again another context layer is after COVID right after there's there's lots of interesting work on sort of the impact that um, a lot of our years of trauma has had on children and faculty there's also work on on sort of when resilience takes a hit um, due to grace right which is important in, in moments but then Brazilian takes a hit with great, you know. So, so how? What do we want? What do we want accountability to mean? So, the easiest approach for me is like faculty accountability, and for that, mm -hmm. it's like self accountability, mm -hmm. and just measuring my own growth as a practitioner. So uh, that's that's one of the ways I like to center it. Is just like, what am I doing this year that's a little different? What am I trying that's new? What are things I'm doing that are that are improving the way that I'm. I hate to say delivering content or whether, but it just was like, how do I know I'm making better teacher moves? Because, and now I've been teaching for almost 10 years and that's long enough to realize like you can't keep doing the same thing all the time. Like you have to be committed to changing yourself um, because everyone has the memory of that one teacher who you could tell had been doing the same thing for 10 years and those aren't usually great memories, so just trying to make sure that doesn't happen to you. So for me, especially when we're going to talk about like faculty accountability, I think of it, one of the places it needs to start is like holding your own self accountable. I like what you said there, because that's what it is for me too. Like reframing that, I think 
being accountable starts with yourself. Like you have to be able to very openly and honestly like self-reflect of where you are, what you're doing and how you're progressing to be able to pour that into somebody else. And I think that's where it starts. And yeah, we always it uh, gets delineated down into, you know, all these different frameworks and these expectations, but I think the core of it is how we view what we're contributing. It's interesting that last year's word was community mm-hmm. and then this year is accountability because it's like building blocks because mm-hmm. I, the accountability can only take root in community um, and grow into something good. Um, just speaking from my own opinion, I know that if I feel valued and seen and my opinion really matters, then I am more willing to look at myself um, more critically. Whereas if I feel like I have to be on the defensive to prove myself all the time, then um, if you come at me with a checklist, then it's gonna feel um, like that's an opportunity for me to feel ashamed of myself for what I haven't done instead of proud of what I have done. And so that only takes, you know, rooting community. And a checklist, too, encourages you not to think about what else or, or, or there's no discovery there. You're, you're displaying systems mastery just to do the things on the list. Limited. Exactly, yes. yeah. So that's, yeah, Ch- checklists, well, they're out of here. <laughs> so to sort of back up just a step, I take the word account in the sense of, even in the sense of accountability, to mean a description or an explanation of something. And so if someone is being asked to give an account, they're being asked to give a description or explanation of something. If someone is being called to account, mm-hmm. it's got the pejorative sense of they're being like scolded or there's a sense that they're gonna be corrected, but they're being asked to give a dis- an explanation or a description of something. And so a couple of things I feel like follow from that. One, um, in teacher's work, which I feel like is largely done in isolation, it's one adult with a room full of children, Um, A teacher who is being held accountable or called to account or is a part of a system of accountability is in some way being asked to explain what they're doing when they're alone with the children. Um, And for me, even in the good sense of that, like sitting in a room and having a conversation with somebody about your teaching practice, when you're giving a description or explanation of your teaching, it's fundamentally, it's, it's, it's transaction. You're giving an account, someone is responding with some feedback or it's at least relational. So what, I, what I'm saying though is this word accountability involves, it's always relational. It always involves something being offered to someone and someone offering a response. Also, um, it's for me, the piece that's missing from the bad sense of accountability is that sense of relationship, right? So even when you're talking about self-accountability, what you're doing is you're sort of the I seeing me mm-hmm. talking about what you see yourself doing. So you're, you're giving an account of description of what you've done with the voice inside your head to yourself, which sounds sort of trippy. <laughs> but, um, the, 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 I think though the, the point is that accountability in its best sense is about a relationship being forged through explanation or dialogue, right? And so if I were gonna try to take away the negative sense, the punitive sense, then what I would say the punitive sense of accountability is missing is that it involves two people who are sort of acting for the good of one another and the community of which they're a part. 
Agreed. I so okay. There's this term. Anybody grow up in a churchy community? Accountability yeah. group. Do you yes. guys know this term? Accountability partner. Accountability partner. Yes. And what is that is steeped in what you and Michelle both just said, which is double two way. Not just I'm here to check up on you, but like, and you're here to check up on me, right? And so I have, I have the, this text string right here. I could pull up all day long. They've been texting. I haven't had time to look at it. They're all my old professor friends, and it's like our little accountability group. And they're like, I'm gonna get through this manuscript, and then I'm gonna um, grade five essays, and then I'm gonna prep my thing. Will somebody check in with me at noon? Okay, so then Lenny jumps on, and Lenny's like, Nick, how did it go? And then Christy's like. Did you get that manuscript done? And everyone is always setting goals. And I just almost, now in my new job, I'm kind of mad at them all the time with all the flexibility they have. So I, I don't participate as much as I used to. But like that for me can also be accountability, right? Because That's beautiful accountability. It's be and it's choice. It's, it's choice, which goes back to Toby's point of like internally motivated, even though that's more groupy and less internal, it's I choose to be in this group with you for this purpose. And we are on equal footing and... Wow, I just I hadn't I hadn't even thought about that difference of accountability or I know people do it too for like weight loss or like my exercise buddy or you know not just around those kinds of things but like that makes me my mind start swirling about like how can we create those here in a huge system yes. of a school it I makes don't know. you vulnerable yeah. and so it comes back to what Beck was saying about that relationship like because when you are that honest. And, you know, in that two-way exchange, like, it does open a vulnerability, you know, another level that a lot of times when we're worried about what somebody's going to say I'm doing wrong, you know, like, because of the expectations, like, you try to avoid that, right, at whatever cost. But when you have that partner, you know, and you're sharing and giving, you know, both directions about what's happening and for the good of each other, it creates a new level of vulnerability because, you know what, I could have dropped the ball, like totally, but with that partner, you have to be able to be vulnerable enough to, to get through that, to be able to work through it and to come out stronger and on more solid footing. To feel safe doing yeah. so. Like we're all going to fall short at some point. What happens when you do make a mistake? Is there, um, you know, punishment involved? Is there shame involved? Or is there like, I mean, for lack of a better term, term is there like growth mindset stuff happening where there's encouragement and you you know, say, okay, well, what are you going right. to do? Because pick up the pieces yeah, together. Pick up the pieces yeah. and, and move forward in the best way. And that to me dovetails a lot with like the way we can frame student accountability because like that's like kind of the basis of what we're doing all the time. We maybe don't call it accountability, but we're constantly checking in with our students to make sure what's going on and are they meeting these goals that we have that aren't necessarily given from anywhere other than our own sense of like, here's what I want to get done this year or this day. And it's just always interesting for me to hear, you know, what like grownups whose brains are mostly done developing, how we react to it, and then remembering, oh my gosh, this kid's eight, and they're probably feeling the same way, and they haven't had all the practice I've had, like receiving feedback and stuff. So that and like, it's not two way, almost never in a yeah, classroom. Or am I as a teacher like? Johnny, you need to turn your stuff in. Now tell me what I need to do. Like, I'm like, no, Johnny, you need to turn your stuff in. Or like, check if you're crisscross applesauce. I'm not checking if I'm crisscross. You know? that, that's what I was going to, that's what I was wondering next is like, how does accountability survive hierarchies? Because how can I be vulnerable to someone who can also decide that I don't get to work here yeah. anymore? 
Right. Uh, and and what are the structures we can put in place to make it feel more comfortable? Because that's I think the outcomes would be great, right? Yes. But you know how do you build a system that can hold on to that, or are these things impossible to have? Like, is it just that's just a tension that you'll never get rid of? Well, I mean, one thing I have fought for, and I I, I think that there's some traction. I'm really interested in like bottom up evaluation so like when I first got here I think Cassie had been hired pretty recently and was before there was I'm not exactly sure what existed you all could speak to what existed in terms of like admin evaluation or faculty evaluation um, but now there's a pretty clear like system at least for admin there's like a rubric it's a little bit long <laughs> um, it's pretty intense um, it's fine and I have you know and I ha and so currently my supervisor is Kevin right so he's so lovely to work with we had a good conversation he hit on some things that are issues with me he knows me well I enjoyed it but all I could think through that process and before all before that I reported to Clay and Blake um, our heads of middle and upper that was interesting to have like two of them together with me before that it was Julia Chadwick and, and Clay um, all of those conversations were good and I will say I got things out of them but what I constantly thought was I would get so much more if I could sit down with the faculty I work with daily like what I really want is their feedback because they're the ones I'm in their classrooms all the time and I'm you know having conversations with them and they're the ones receiving these dumb emails from me every other day or whatever you know like these are the people that I can grow from most and so I think one possible answer to that question is to is to think about feedback in 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 a sort of bottom-up way and, and, and to think about the giving and receiving. And I mean, I will say like in that meeting, I think one question Kevin asked me at the end, which I stole from him then with the people I supervise is like, what can I do better to support you? That's inching a little closer to that. There was room in there for me to say something. Kevin's perfect, so I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like I could say if this person never returned my emails or something, but. I think that's one, one potential answer. Yeah, it's definitely grist for the mill for the episodes we do. Like, yeah. Like, because what I'm hearing is essentially informal accountability is the most helpful and it has the least amount of institutional power. Yeah. So it holds the least institutional weight, but it's the most helpful. So how do we address that fact that, yeah. like, how do you bring that up? <laughs> Well, and if you think about it from a teacher perspective, like our goal with our children is to, I think, what would be the most helpful for them is that they become their own, like they reflect on their yes. accountability. Yes. So our job as teachers is to help them figure out to be self-motivated. Mm. So if we're doing that with them that to me is the same thing I need to know mm -hmm. how to do as an adult and it's easy I don't know why to me it's so easy to see it from that point of view like I know my job is to help you figure out to get you self-sufficient and to know what to do and to feel good or feel not good when I make a wrong decision and as we grow and get older something somewhere it falls apart we either don't get rewarded, we get rewarded for the wrong motivation, or I'm not sure. So if we can figure out that link. I think you're right. There's something, the transition from it, because I'm thinking about it when I uh, taught pre-service teachers, there is a radical transition from school, stru school structures, which are messed up in lots of ways, to be fair, 
but school structures, if you learn how to play a game, uh -huh. you can sort of feel like it's fair. You can feel the sense of control and agency, and even though it's super hierarchical and like the, something about it is predict, I don't know, something about it feels fair. And then what I always find with new teachers or pre-service teachers as they enter the field of teaching is this like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 this isn't fair. And like, where is my either pat on the back or like for doing something good, nobody rewarded me for this. Or like, oh my gosh, I'm getting no support. You know, like this sense of... I or like your rug's been pulled out. Like yes. you weren't prepared and you're like, my whole life I've been learning to prepare so I can do this. And then you actually get there and all the rules are changed or something happens. Or you're not getting feedback as to whether you're doing it right or wrong. Yes. Guys, yeah. a really quick question that I keep thinking about now. I feel like we've like uncovered some really important things that I hadn't thought about, so thank you for this conversation. One thing that I'm wondering about is like basic real life stuff about like, okay, so the models we've talked about are great for people, let's just be fair, kind of like probably us, like the people that are like, <laughs> I really want to do well. For whatever reason, we have that in us and, and we really want to do well and we really care about other, you know, not to say people don't care. Whatever, we've been acculturated. Motivations to, are different. We've been acculturated to, yes. But guys, you know this, there are kids in our classrooms and there are not honestly very many colleagues, but I've been in places where there are colleagues or and, and administrators all around in every area that like legit like are trying to be sneaky and not do the work or not do the thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, but we do need to punish those guys. Or like, or just get stupid things like not returning, you guys, this is, I, this is my thing. Not everyone cares about this at all, but it just really bugs me when people just like never return an email, and I'm like, "What happened? Where am I? What?" what, what? And like that is just a thing that that gets me. And different things get to all of us, but like that's the thing where I'm like, "We need to hold that person accountable to answer that email." I don't need an accountability group for that kid. I don't need that guy to be with me and for him to check on I me because I'm answering hierarchy. my shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need a hierarchy. And I need someone to get there. And I need that kid that's going to be sneaky. He's not going to choose an accountability group to do his thing. Like, I just need to, he needs to get a C because, like, he didn't do the thing. So, like, he needs to just get a C. Like, I don't know. Is there any curmudgeoniness that y'all, like, that I'm struggling, like, I don't think we can end with, like, and now we figured it out and it's group and it's, because there's those things. Well, that's, it I think, where good. accountability got its bad rap is at some point you do have to be accountable and there has to be consequences. It comes with when the responsibility isn't being equally distributed or handled appropriately. Mm. So when there's not an equal uh, investment from all or both parties, that's when accountability, I feel like, gets that bad rap mm -hmm. because you're holding them accountable because their responsibilities weren't being met. Like there's that that shift again. And it makes me think about um, an experience I had, Julie, when you were talking about um, someone asking, what can I do to better support you? Well, I had someone ask me that question. And when they asked me the question, I gave an honest answer. I need better communication, mm -hmm. clearer communication. Nothing ever came of it year oh, after year after that. So there, that's where the consequences were lacking or yeah. that person as well being held to the goal not just me being held to a goal um, so I don't know the answer but I just know that that happens it can look and feel like accountability but it's really not mm. that's almost worse Are you talking about it? I'd, rather, ask me. I'd rather somebody just 
and all exactly. the but they checked a box they asked the question check mm. done in all the cases though of like someone doing something wrong and needing to experience a consequence are you talking about accountability or are you talking about justice you want like there to be justice dispensed to make that person regret that they did the thing that was wrong. Is that but part is, of I it? Mean, I mean, it, maybe, that, I don't know. That's what yes. it is. It's where accountability sort of gets sideways is it implies that somebody's going to come with their tail between their legs and apologize for the wrong thing. Well, I want did. them to apologize, but... Some men just like to watch the world burn. <laughs> some people, some kids just want to mess with your class. Like, they take great pleasure. That's where they feel their agency is. Yes, you know, yes. Destroying your and class there are reasons or not for doing their work. Yeah. For sure, for Good sure. Reasons. And so I guess when we say we want to hold them accountable, we want to know why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. Again, yes. going back to the account, their story. Like, yeah, we yeah. want the story of why the kid doesn't do the homework, or we want the pathetic excuse that they're going to give, or you know, the person who doesn't communicate. We want to know. Ultimately, I think we want to know why are you so disorganized and yet you're in management and you can't <laughs> actually communicate. Yeah. Get real. And we want the. I want the. Just I just want the behavior to change, man. I don't even care about the account. I just want you to start answering my emails. Like that's, and Michelle, you just want the communication to get better. And the acknowledgement that it was a problem in the first place. Mm -hmm. That would be nice. I mean, even that goes a long way, but is it too much to expect adults to have integrity? Like it seems like a lot. We're expecting people to um, be honest and to um, welcome feedback and give feedback in a certain type of spirit an intent, but that we know that doesn't happen. But you can't just fire everyone who doesn't show integrity. So what's the answer? And I well, would say there's also though story, and I get I hear this from people who are above me, and it's true that a lot of times they can't share everything. That's so true. So their reasoning for what mm. they I know it can come off as a cop out sometimes, but I have to believe and have mm. faith that sometimes I don't see the whole picture. That's not my job. Yeah. And so um, um, then it's up to me to kind of weigh that and see. I mean, that is tricky about accountability is all of us, including higher admin or whatever, have a very distinct vantage point. And so that can make us think that someone is slacking or that someone's not doing their job when actually if had I known these 16 things I don't know. So, like, I guess that just brings me to, like, let's all just, like, charitably approach each other with grace and, like, um... But still, there are some jerks out it's there. It's hard to do, exactly. I want it's justice. Really hard to do. Michelle, you said, I don't know what's the answer. And I was going to say, it was such a good segue. I was going to say, to find out, listen to the next <laughs> five, ep- four episodes. <laughs> Maybe five. There's a Maybe wrap five, up. There's a five wrap up. episodes. I'm so good at this. Of accountability. about you, but I left this conversation with, sure, a better understanding of what accountability might mean if we reframe it, but an even greater understanding of what accountability shouldn't mean. Accountability as a word, as a concept, it can cause more harm than good. And it's important that we think about it with the frame of community, the frame of doing things together, of dialogue. And we're going to spend the next episodes exploring what this really means in the field of education. Tune in next week as we explore the concept of student accountability. What does it mean for students to be held accountable? Is it the teacher's job? The parent's job? Is it the student's job? 
probably the answer is all of the above, but we'll learn more when you tune in next week.